I thought that it would just go into the ether like everything else we'd say, and nothing would ever come of it. But that clown liked <laughs> our Instagram. Post. He didn't just like it. He, he followed it. He follows. He did us not. Now. He did not. <laughs> That's awesome. He did not. That's so awesome. Wrinkles the clown is now a listener of our show. So literally, wrinkles the clown. <laughs> That's amazing. I love it so much. Hey everybody, I'm Dane Holland, and I think we should give the community a chance. I'm Austin Shazam Pfeiffer, and Nicholas, where did you hide my bear? I'm Marcus Whitaker, soul is the light, I am electric man. I'm Austin Tiny Zenth, the teller of tales and the speaker of mysteries. <whistles> spooky. I even did spooky fingers. You did spooky fingers. Ooh, and you'll get spooky fingers sometimes on our podcast, Nerd is the Grapevine. It's where four best friends gather weekly to talk about our favorite parts of past, present, and future nerd culture. Tiny. Tiny. Fingers point to you. Fingers point to me. And I'm going to point at what is on this table. No one can see it but us. Nope. So, many... People don't realize this, but I collect some strange things, one of which is tarot cards. Um, I like reading them. They're fun. I don't necessarily believe the whole like religious aspect. Some people do, and that is perfectly fine for them. Tarot is a pack of cards used from the mid-15th century in various parts of Europe, uh, French, Austria, and it was actually originally like a playing card game. Um, it consists of two different houses, the Major Arcana and the Minor Arcana. The Major Arcana are the top or the trump cards. So when you're doing a spread or like when the cards are laid on the table, that, that's what a spread is. Chris. Uh, <laughs> um, the Major Arcana always rules over the Minor. And each card has its own individual meanings. Um which if you buy a deck, they're in the booklet that's included that tells you what they mean. Um, reading the cards, there's always a question posed. You can't just read cards without posing a question. And you look at the imagery on the card and you relate it to the question to answer said question. So that's the basics of how tarot cards are read. So it's not this big crazy thing Um and what we're going to do now is I've brought one of my decks. It's actually my favorite deck. It's the Necronomicon deck. Uh, the artwork is, va- is based on H.P. Lovecraft. And I'm going to let y'all do a spread for me. Gross. We're going to do a simple three-card spread. <laughs> I will not. <laughs> I will. Yeah. Austin? You already are. Good. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Hold on. Yep. I'll be in that corner. Over there. Don't spread so hard that you tear your pants. Oh, that'd be terrible. <laughs> okay, so uh, <laughs> yeah, that is the proper response to how stupid I, that just was for both of us. Thanks, but yeah, nobody could see. I guess a good pun was I guess a good pun wasn't in the cards. <laughs> oh man! Oh, they're gonna keep coming. Anyway, so a three card well, spread is past, present, and future. Ooh. So the first card is the past, the middle card is the present, and the third card is the future. So I've already shuffled the deck, and I've got the booklet here. That's a perfect. That's what our show is about. Yes, sometimes exactly when it is. <laughs> exactly, so, so it's not so always. But as the readers, the the y'all get to actually pull the cards from the deck. They always come from the top. Like I said, they're already shuffled. I don't know where they are. Um, oh, some, they're right here. No, I mean, They're what right card is By the where? way, audience, these cards are so epic looking, and I wish you could see them. Yes. Yes. <laughs> uh, some people, when they read cards, they read the inverse. So if something's upside down, it generally is taken to mean the opposite. Some people don't do that. We're just for the sake of brevity and ease of use. We're just going to go with the card in general. We're not going to go with inverted. From From the design of the back of the cards, you can see what orientation the card is so would that not apply to this deck specifically 
shouldn't it have well, to be a because okay. it's different yeah i never really so looked. i think i think that would probably depend on the like if the back of the card is the the same orientation no yeah. matter which, which way you turn it maybe uh, i don't maybe. know man but i mean like i said that's generally up to the reader but there's the deck it's shuffle go ahead and pull the top three cards Ooh, can uh, i go actually, first actually if you would um would you take that first card put it on the bottom of the deck since that card has already been moved yeah did anybody uh cut this deck no. no, I mean, you can if you want. I mean, no, I, I just don't want you it. cheating. Oh, uh, there's, there's I, I didn't cheat, I promise. <laughs> Are we about to summon something? We're about to summon Possibly. a demon. Um, the uh, minor arcana are broken into suits, uh, swords, cups, uh, wands, okay, uh, and so discs. Has, the, the, has, anybody, change, has anybody checked these cards yet before he's telling us to do this? Because if we flip them over and there's just <laughs> pictures of genitalia, I'm gonna be so excited. Well, but. <laughs> I mean, gotcha. I don't know if what I'm looking at. I can't even it, tell if it is or not. To be honest be. with you, it really could <laughs> some be. alien genitalia, like yeah. some like some Dark Souls stuff. We've seen that. Yeah, I'm into, I'm into so, this so do I just draw three from here? No, no. just you just pick one. Each of you will and do choose I flip one it card. immediately. Yeah, go ahead and pull it. Okay. And flip it. So my question to y'all is, what does my next ten years look like? So my card I drew for the audience is called Ten of Discs, and it has this sorcerer swirling souls around in the air with some sort of alien presence watching down over him, and he's reading out of some sort of spell book, and it looks really cool. Now we're going to try to interpret it. But I'm glad I got the wizard. I think that's automatically a good thing. Absolutely. For me, at least. I don't know about you, Tiny. I'm down, man. about to find out. (laughs) So family affairs, the homestead, wealth, retirement, pension, a gift... End of work, pr- or you know, the end of your prudent investment. Oh wow! So yeah, so okay. like, okay, so think about that and relate that to the other two cards, and then you can okay. actually tell me the main. Oh, uh, okay, because cool. they're, they're cool. supposed to all flow together. Cool, cool. So what did you get, Dane? My card is the nine of discs. Ooh, yeah. Um, and on it there is a wizard man looking down at a box that's been it's been unearthed. And there is a little demon monkey-looking elf golem thing, uh, and he's pulled a necklace out of the box. And behind the monkey, there is this pillar, and next to it is a ghost woman with her hand reaching down towards the uh, the box as well. All three hands of all the characters are all reaching in the, the same direction, and if you were to draw a line from them, they'd just about all meet the same point, which it's all focusing towards this little necklace coming out of the box. And... The meaning of this in the book reads, Inheritance enjoyed, increase in possessions, material gain, wise management, security. Uh, What's your card? It'd be at the bottom. It says Knave of Woods. Okay, you got one of the, like in a deck of cards, like the King, Queen, Jack, Ace. Yes. You got one of those, so you also got Minor Arcana. Mine looks like the deity at the end of Ghostbusters. That looked like the marshmallow man. No, the one that the marshmallow man became. Are you a god? That one? No, Ray. If someone asks if you're a god, you say yes. That That, one. That one. Okay. Looks just like Bubble Girl, and she's got a nice flat top haircut. Um, It's very short. It's red. She's wearing skin tight leather with a wolf belt on. Um, her wolf belt is facing the same direction as her wolf that she has in the back of her cage that she has as she's standing inside of it with it open. In her hand, there is a square-ended mace. So it's not jagged. It's not a ball mace. It's just flat. Um, behind her, there's some, you know, there's some beams, and on those beams, there's some handcuffs. My kind of lady. A young woman or child who loves to be in control of others, possessing great physical courage, who is ambitious and forceful, refusing to be dissuaded or placated when in pursuit of her goal. Her intense energy gives her a superficial fascination that is apt to be mistaken for beauty. She has a love for power. So I've I've got a prediction. I've got a prediction off I've of got those a prediction three cards. Off these three cards. So it'll go from Marcus to Dane so, to you. So I have to speak about the past. Yes, in reference to what they, what they, what those cards are in your card. And the, so this is all about you. Yes. Okay. So in my card deals with the past, and it was about retirement, 
you know, a, a, a long investment paid off mm-hmm. in a sense. The end of like some sort of labor. Correct. I'm not, I'm, that was the what was in the book. You you tell me you're the right. reader. Yeah, that's what. Okay. <laughs> see, see, well, you, I'm just you saying you use the card meeting as yeah. a guideline, and then you use the artwork and what you know about me. Right. To that's what's hard. Do, yeah. Yeah. So someone in your in the generation, your grandmother's generation, like when they when they retired, they left something, you know, to somebody or for somebody. And, you know, but it didn't, but it, you know, it took some time for it to come to fruition. But, you know, when he retired or somebody retired, you see what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. I'm doing yeah. terrible at saying and, it. But yeah. And mine, so, so building upon that, because yeah. mine also has to do with wealth, mine is about coming into wealth. So whatever this item was in your past uh, that may have not made its way to you, but it's been yours to possess, but you haven't been in physical contact with it yet. You will come in contact with it, and it will be worth something of value, either monetarily or like personally worth something. Like, because it doesn't have to be like riches; it can be personal, right. like emotional riches as well. Yeah. Am I able to disagree with everything? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How does that work? It's three readers, so I well, I mean, generally there's only one reader, right? But we but don't do that here. You do but have a minor trump card being a court card. Yeah. So your card actually rules those two. You could say, you two are idiots. This is what's really going to happen. Because this is exactly what happened. Austin Tiny Zent worked at a manufacturing plant for over 10 years of his life. He was let go, and it was during all of the coronavirus stuff, and it wasn't even like, hey, we're not hiring you back or anything. It's just, surprise, you don't have a job anymore. So that was a major investment of his time that was lost to nothing. Current stage found a job, working, enjoys his job. He's making better money than he would for anything else he could do like that, Because and he likes what he does. He's found a better purpose than slaving away over hot ovens, even though he is in the vicinity of hot ovens still. Completely different oven. Yeah. <laughs> this is a food oven, not a plastic oven. Right, right. But it is, he has found a new you know, a new sense of purpose and drive and wealth within that new job that he's got. The final step would be fitting of the man who has come into this new wealthy found lifestyle for himself from the old, you know, the old errors and the old ways. And there's a woman who is just as driven towards the, towards the, towards the, the weird. I have been speaking to a lady. (gasps) What color is her hair? Currently, it's kind of a reddish auburny color. <laughs> yes, you heard it here on Nerd of the Great The, the woman on this card, Tiny, has a red auburnish hair. What's she gonna do? Well, I mean, She's, here's the thing: it's a dominatrix on the card, and Tiny is fine with that. Exactly. So, <laughs> because you can even see Lola, you can even see Nola in the back. Oh yeah, the dog, like yeah. Tiny's dog. Yeah, that's the dog. Oh man, so. And the thing is, though, she's not going to realize this about herself, how much she likes this kind of stuff, because she was originally caged. Mm-hmm. But due to Tiny being able to take her hand and walk her through, her desires are going to flourish <laughs> along with his. Boom. Roasted. We nerd, it, nerd it to the grapevine cannon, and it is cannon. Mic drop. See, I was seeing, I was seeing something totally different, but that worked out well. That was a yeah. good thing. That, that was, that was better very than good. The bad thing. I was y'all, y'all did really good for your first time. Yay! Um, but now, now do you kind of get uh, yeah, how it's done? For sure, yeah, yeah. With a little practice, you oh, get yeah. some yeah. good ones well, going. It was a pretty yeah. good. And that would be so much fun. It yeah. was a pretty good feeling. Aha moment. Once they like theirs, kind of seemed like it was a progression. You yeah. know, like you've lost something you've invested a lot of time in. You know, you've gained something different. What would that be, and how would that benefit? And then there's this dominatrix, and it's kind of like, well, there's the direction it all goes towards. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, as you pulled out the cards and things, I was like, huh, I could see it, but I didn't want to give y'all any clues, mm-hmm. you know, because I wanted y'all to do your own readings. Yeah. But that was that was really cool. Um, <laughs> sometimes I do readings for myself. It's usually in kind of like a meditative, introspective kind of thing. Yeah. Um, 
Now, do I believe that it like predicts the future or things? Not really. Mm. Some Too people bad do. for you. I, I do. Mean, that's good no, for them. Kidding. You know what I'm saying? But you I know. can almost see. But that was a lot of fun. I don't know if y'all had fun. I had fun. That I mean, we did predict the future. On I wonder, podcast. like, where? Well, I guess I get where, like, the witchcraft of it all would come yeah. into play because it's it's something making. I don't know the future seem like something else and right. that's terrifying to people who don't well, believe plus, that that can happen this deck is decked out with some pretty metal looking art yeah oh, i yeah. mean there are other decks that you can get that aren't like hp lovecraft right. lore like you can get like astrology ones i'm right, sure right. And the, like the stuff the that you're more ones, into there's yeah. a bunny one you probably get christian ones you can probably get like you, you can yeah uh, like, what i actually find really funny when i was learning to read cards i went to the unitarian church here in town um, they, you know, have services for pagans and Wiccans and Satanists and, you know, whatever other religion that's out there that's not mainstream. And so they had nights once a month to, you know, teach you how to read cards. And I didn't want to use a loner deck because, I mean, hey, who, where's the fun in that? So I went to Books a Million and I seen this one. I'm like, that's awesome. Lovecraft is cool. That's the deck I'm going to choose. Now, some of the people that was there were like super into it and, you know, like they was talking about like a spiritual connection with their decks, which is fine. And some of them, when they seen my deck and was flipping <laughs> through it because they was like, hey, can I see your deck? Yeah, absolutely. Here you go. One person moved across the room from me and would not speak to me the rest of the night based on the artwork in my deck. She said she sensed evil from it. See, uh, and a creep like me is going to immediately seize on that opportunity and be like, yes, you are intimidated of my power. <laughs> and then metal music is going to start playing. And I'm going to be a real life sorcerer. Yeah. That's how it works, y'all. Uh, Freak people out with it. Yeah, that is a lot of fun. I could see where... If you fully believe like what what is happening with this, a you can make things come to fruition. Like yeah. if someone is reading your cards or whatever, and you fully believe that this is actually like real, then you can carry out things that like like the the woman in this picture with the the red auburn hair. Like this <laughs> this person you're speaking to now, if you hadn't been speaking to her yet, you might have been on the lookout for somebody with that kind of like trait yeah. because. Like you've been Just told this person, it, yeah. yeah, you've been told this person's yeah. going to be in your life and you might pass on other people like just because they don't exactly. fit what this future has been read yeah. for you. Well, I think Qui-Gon Jinn said it best. Your focus determines your reality, you oh, know? So, so if you focus on this one thing, <laughs> that's what's going to happen. So that was, good. that was exactly what I was going to get at. And I was, I was jumping at the bits and dadgum you in the freaking nose hole man. manifested Qui-Gon oh my god yeah, that's fine so with good. me I mean hopefully he'll manifest again on the Obi-Wan show a true master a true um, master but yeah it's also the power of persuasion is definitely real um, I mean if you can convince somebody then compel them enough that what you're saying from based on what you're seeing is what's going to happen the power of persuasion is very real in a situation like that but also the uh, generality like just speaking in generals kind of thing mm-hmm. um, you can't uh, you know, get past, you know, the fact that you can just get into generals and, you know, hit certain nails with people that make them, you know, triggered into thinking like, okay, I've, they've got you. They're, they're, you're there. Um, mm-hmm. Just like that psychic lady on the, the hotline. Call me Miss Cleo. You oh, yeah. <laughs> right. Anytime. Well, there, there's actually a technique to that as well. And that you actually mentioned it, a cold reading. Right. Um, and it has a completely different sense. Um, you have a basic form that you go through in one of those style readings, right? And so I started out kind of like that with the reading, yeah. And so yeah, I get, I, yeah, I get yeah. how that may not be exactly yeah. the same now that yeah. we've done one because exactly. you just nailed it. Dude. Oh my like, god, you really did nail it. What if those, the psychic those, hotline yeah. comes back now too? Guys. Let's make our own. Call hey, if y'all want a reading, call the psychic hotline. Yes. We'll give you this Necronomicon, or you can do a zombie tarot deck if you want. I'm yeah, sure yeah. you have others. Yeah. Oh yeah. Crows. If, if it's supposed to relate to like your soul, if they had like I don't know, like an anime tarot deck, that'd be pretty great. I mean, they probably do. They've got them for everything. Because on the inside, I'm a 115 pound Japanese boy. Mm-hmm. Speaking of tarot, there's this show has manifested on HBO and stung me to my soul, and I've just been it's been foaming at, out of my mouth, like. It's haunted me so much. Like I've had dreams of the images. It's called Raised by Wolves on HBO. 
they have this really cool take later on in the season though about tarot cards like a kind of a cool sci-fi take on them yeah don't know if i really want to spoil it but basically let's just say they do more than what we just did with them like they actually have things stored on them and if you're an ai you can access that almost like a memory kind of like the deck of many things from D. maybe I'm not like you exactly pull a familiar. card and then it manifests something, be it like money or a cool sword or whatever. Or it like the be... capsules off of Dragon Ball Z. You just push the button and now you got a te- little little tent. I think the show, which I'm going to talk about here in a minute, but I was just kind of trying to relate it to your topic, yeah. uh, is treating it more as like a memory storage in a sense. Like, hmm. like literally a, a downloadable memory of an event of an important mysterious cosmic implications event. Cool. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. That, yeah and really I just good. thought it was really cool. But anyway, the show is called raised by wolves. I don't know who wrote it. I don't know the actors names because I just watched it and I don't do this. Like I mentioned, I don't know if it'll, I've been telling people that I will convert them like, Oh yeah. By the wheel, because the, the show's about this, uh, religious, religious sect called, the Mithraic or Mithraism or something like that. And so they've been basically dominating the planet for so long <clears throat> that this army's kind of grown up in response to them. Basically, they've destroyed Earth in a religious war. They The show kind of breaks it down into like there's the atheist army and there's like the Mithraism army. But the atheistic term is like kind of misleading because it's basically just the resistance against this totalitarian re- religion. Because apparently in, oh man, I'm, I don't want to give too much away. Yeah. Like that's why y'all are going to have to just kind of get me on another topic because, uh, about the show, because I, I if I, if I'm allowed to, I'll sit here and spoil everything. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll just so beep I, out yeah. the rest of your segment. But no, it's amazing, heady sci-fi. Uh, Ridley Scott is involved, you know, the alien Prometheus, you know, the alien kind of franchise. So I think a good way that, stuff. I think the good way that you can do it is by giving a trailer, but only describe it in words and, and small sound effects. <laughs> so give us, <laughs> give us a little snippet trailer of your favorite little parts of them. And it has no context to it. If you just let it out and just, that's why you like it so much. Go. Oh, there's no way. Your favorite snippets. <laughs> here we are. Here we are. It's well. That's the thing. It's so ab- there. There can be some really abstract things about it. Uh, like it, there's a lot of religious imagery and symbolism going on in it. You know, uh, because the they're basically the setup of the show is it's these two androids who are sent to a planet, Kepler twenty two B, which is actually a real planet, uh, to raise these frozen embryos from Earth because Earth is basically done, but. The catch is the Mithraic people, they have created what they call their Ark. And it's like they put all their survivors on this Ark and send them to Kepler as well. So they're both going to this new planet to start this new civilization because Earth has been destroyed. But just, you know, I think that's the way in, is mother and father. These two androids sent here to raise, they have 12 embryos with them, to raise children, androids, on another planet. To so, restart the human civilization. Okay, so the embryos are people, not like androids. Right. Okay. Right. So is this based on a book or it a graphic is not. novel? It's not. Okay. Because I know a lot of current shows are. Right. And I didn't know if this was. Well, this is one of those shows for me. Like, that's why I'm just gushing about it. Because, like, you know, not everybody's going to love it as much as I do. But it's one of those, if there were, I would have already ordered them. Like, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm diving head first. <laughs> Like I'm, I'm. If I was a fish, I'd be so dead. They have got me <laughs> hook, line, and sinker. I'm under their control. They have done some satanic wizardry on me. Like I said, think of these androids. Like the show is definitely calling you and ask, begging you to make these comparisons to like an Adam and Eve mm-hmm. type figure in this new world, this new Garden of Eden. And there's like these all these bones that litter the landscape. Of like these massive look, you know, creatures that you don't know what they are. It's a, it's very much a mystery show as well as just, I mean, the, I think her name's Amanda something that plays mother. If she doesn't get an Emmy nod or something for that for her acting as that mother android, because she's like super powerful weapon made by this religion. But one of the atheist leaders reprogrammed her to be atheistic and to raise six atheist embryos, and then once they're good, raise six more. I was just. Kind of wondering if it was in English. 
Yes. No, it's in English. And, and English was its original language. Mm-hmm. Very good. No, it, like, you're missing like out said, on a lot of TV. Like I said, Ridley Scott. I can't do it. Famous for Alien, Prometheus, Alien Covenant. I think is this, like his newest movie. I think he's still working on some in the Alien franchise. Has produced this so and visually, you can definitely see the influence. So, any fans of like that universe, the Alien verse, has got to watch it because I wouldn't, I wouldn't even be shocked if they actually did kind of insert itself into that, you know, mythos. Does it give you an, an exact time, like what year? In yeah, twenty one forty five. Twenty one forty five. Okay, mm-hmm. gotcha. But the the writer has, I mean, because like as, as soon as I finished this, I just started looking everything I could on the internet about it. Yeah. Uh, and, the, and I've found a lot of interviews with the writer and he said that, you know, you should definitely wonder, like, it's a good question to ask, like if it's the same historical timeline as our earth. Right. Right. Or, or so maybe there is some, some difference. That's what I was asking. Yeah. If it was a, if it was a direct correlation to our world in the future, or he, if this he is an alternate say, universe, he wouldn't say, okay, I would imagine that would have to be some sort of alternate timeline. Right. I would just imagine. Yeah. That it's going to get into that territory. But they, I don't think it's going to be all that important because I think the story is like what, what can humans become? You know, right. I think that's the theme. It's not know, about kind of. the past and what's happened before, uh, other than them having to I relocate. I think there will be some of that, right? But yeah, I don't know. Like, it, it's it's really hard to talk about the show without spoiling things. Yeah, because like I said, some of the images and imagery of the of the show has haunted me. Like days after I finished it, like literally in my dreams. Well, uh, in the best way possible. You know, it's kind of yeah. like a nightmare, but you wake up and you're like, that was so cool. <laughs> you know, man, it was, yeah, it, I highly recommend it. I don't, you know, cause I talk about shows that I wouldn't necessarily highly recommend to everybody yeah. on the podcast. Sometimes like, you know, the M not Shyamalan, uh, superhero verse. No, you know, it's cool. It's neat. It's noteworthy. But this, I'm like super excited about it. Like it instantly just became one of my favorite things ever. Yeah. So, so where cool. where can we watch this at? You can actually watch the first episode on YouTube for free. Okay. And that one's the one that's directed by Ridley Scott. It's probably the most action packed of all, the whole season because it kind of does slow down after those first couple episodes. See, that's the crack deal. They give you a yeah, taste for yeah, free. But no, it is so yeah. worth it, y'all. Like, yeah. Well, it, where where do you watch all of them at? Because if HBO I'm gonna Max. watch it, I'm HBO not Max. just gonna watch the first one. Yeah, right. You got to give it the three episode test. I mean, you know, and you know, I can see people definitely bad, but... getting, you know, turned off about because you know there is, like I said, strong religious themes and stuff. And so, like, I think the term, like, you know, to see this domineering religion and then this atheist army can maybe turn some people off, like, depending on their beliefs and stuff. But they're both reprehensible. I mean, like, both sides are just as bad as each other. So I don't think they're trying to make like some sort of superficial point or anything. You know, I think they're just asking questions. They're, I don't think they're going to be trying to preach that and, kind of stuff. And as yeah. quickly as the world changes at this point, who knows what, you know, the word atheist would even mean at that point. The writer did mention that too. So it's like basically this religion has just wiped out religions to the point where they banded together and and then it's it's basically branding the opposition is the, his word. That's how he put it. He said it's like it's this Mithraic religion who's got all this high technology has branded them the atheist army. If right. you see what I'm it's saying, it's their word so for it's, rebels. It, like they're rebel scum. Right. They're, they're the atheist right, yeah. scum. It just yeah. happens to have some political kind of weight, right. you know, in our time. Maybe a little bit. I don't think it's too atheist bad anymore. Atheist scum. Right. Right. So the atheist people, mm-hmm. do they not have technology? Or well, it seems there's not like, as good. I think definitely not as good, but it does seem like. Well, I mean, it's definitely a hot, more high tech world in twenty one forty five. Yeah. So, but yeah, it seems like whatever is powering this new technology in this science fiction realm is something that is exclusively belongs to the Mithraic religion. Mm. Like perhaps it was even encoded in their holy texts. I bet it was mm. the star of Bethlehem off of the Christmas Chronicles. <laughs> or Cole. Cole. Oh, no. Cole, yeah, yeah. From the new Mortal Kombat movie. <laughs> oh, it's all God. one universe. No, not Cole. He I think was the genesis. The uh, That's got to be a trope of uh, artificial intelligence raising humanity. Mm-hmm. and like. Yeah, well, I saw one. I saw a movie like that with Hilary Swank. Million she's Dollar like Baby? Ac- yeah, she's like an Academy Award winner. And so I was like, she's in the, you know, she's an Academy Award winner, sci-fi flick, you know, I think it was maybe called Mother or something yes, like that. Yes, I've seen that. And I just thought it was garbage. I've not seen it. 
It's really good. But she oh, didn't. It's, it's real screwy. And it's really to the point at the very end of it, you're like, oh, that's what you meant. Right. And actually, I think it would help to go into that movie. With the, anyway, that's not the topic. But uh, <laughs> where, 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 where you, you made a point. Oh, about artificial intel and artif- artificial intelligence. Smack that mouth, boy! Yeah, you just daddy. went Scottish. You didn't mess up. Artificial <laughs> intelligence. Artificial intelligence. That's one thing that I definitely think they struck a good balance with is how strikingly human mother and father can be, but then how disturbingly unhuman they can also be. How it can just because turn she off. is like a weapon, and this I'm going to use the writer's words again, sure, because I have the luxury of being able to listen to him on YouTube. You know yeah. that's so cool. Uh, so he said that like father is almost like this Ford truck. You know he's like he's durable, he's hardworking, he's going to get you you know from point A to point B. He he even has like dad jokes programmed. He's like I formulated a new a new joke, and he tries to tell them to the kid. And, you know and sometimes they go over well. He's just he's honestly the most likable character on the whole show. Probably is he it's blue? Fun. No, no. Then how is he a Ford? <laughs> That's just, the, you know, he's making a metaphor. The author, the, a metaphor, if you may. <laughs> yeah. But then he compares Mother to like a nuclear missile. Like, she is a weapon on hmm. on the highest tech level that you could possibly be on. But Father hasn't been reprogrammed, correct? Only Mother has? You know, I don't think it's made it that clear in oh. the first season. And that's another thing. It is, a like I said, a very much mystery show. Uh-huh. One of my favorite shows of all time was Lost. And it is, you know, some people mm-hmm. have different feelings about that. I understand, but it's it definitely has that kind of mystery show feel like Lost did in the sense of they're giving you a little bit to keep you going, but then there's still all these like really overarching mysteries that are still yet to be solved. Well, it's something I'm going to watch. If I have time tonight, I would like to watch first episode Absolutely. like while I edit this, but yes. but it's, it's definitely... Like I said, it's free on YouTube, and I think literally just that episode alone is worth a watch. I mean, it's not like you... I always say three to four episodes of a show, and you can kind of tell if you're going to like it. But. Yeah. So this this group of people that have formed this religion, they've kind of, they've they've kind of got a monopoly on how you are controlling religion at all. Like they control all of it. Like it's the haves yeah. and the have-nots. You had mentioned. Yes. Uh, let's talk about Monopoly, the board game. Hmm. It went. It went from. I mean, that is a from, game of haves and haves. It, it went from the mystic arts to the dystopic AI future religion planet raising to a board game. Uh, Monopoly is a board game that, if you were to say, "What do you think of when you think of a board game?" Like to anyone, I bet a very, 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 very high percentage of the answers of that would be Monopoly. Just like people that don't even enjoy playing board games. For some reason, they have a copy of Monopoly somewhere, <laughs> and they have no idea how they obtained it. I think I have three copies somewhere, and I don't recall ever buying any of them, and nor anyone purchasing them for me. I just own them. I almost bought you a uh, Bob Ross Monopoly when I saw it in Gatlinburg. And you didn't, because you don't really care. <laughs> no, no. Monopoly is a game you own and you don't play it much. Exactly. Because it takes a long time to go through it. Uh, and yeah, but. And aren't I, we playing that game right now? We are. We're, but all, we're just just playing all on the, the losing no, that's, side. No, that's life. You're thinking of game life, all which is also a Right, game. but we're also <laughs> playing that capitalism game that Monopoly does. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I hate playing Monopoly with that one player that takes it way too seriously. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you go to jail and then he tries to shiv you in the shower. <laughs> you played some rough games of Monopoly. Yeah, I'm like, the RPG this version. is not a full contact game. You, you've been LARPing Monopoly. <laughs> we all have. It's awful playing life with Marcus, though, because he gets stuck at that first decision. He's like, hold on, man. I'm trying to decide if I'm going to college. <laughs> I might go here in a couple years, but, but there's not a path for that on the board. <laughs> what about just wait? I'll make my own path, man. I've got a, uh, I've, I have the game of life like down in the basement, and the box is completely destroyed. So I like to say my life is falling apart. Uh, <laughs> anyway, so, uh, Monopoly in 1903 was actually the birth year of this game, uh, but it was originally called the Landlord's Game, and it was made by Lizzie Maggie. I believe that's how you pronounce her last name. It's M A G I E. She was an anti-monopolist, and she made the game to teach how damaging it is for monopolies to have like this concentrated private ownership of land. 
and how much it hurt everyone else. So as you play the game, yeah, someone's playing to win, but then you've got everyone else that is like, I mean, to win the game, most of the time, it's whoever ends up owning the entire board. And the rest of the people are either out of money or out of property. And it was like... You lose, bud. Yeah, exactly. And it's... and it's No matter... I mean, you don't really play Monopoly with two people. You can. Uh, but normally, it's three to four people. And there's always... Like, the majority of people are with nothing in the end. So the one person that wins, like, owns everything. And it's a really good, like, representation of capitalism in general. So in uh, in 1932, though, so the game had existed for like almost 30 years, like basically 30 years of existence, and it had been pretty popular. Like a lot of people had uh, made their own kind of twists versions of it and stuff, but nothing was ever as successful as the Landlord's game was. And in 1932, this guy named Charles Darrow was introduced to it by a couple of his friends. Uh, they had a homemade version of the game at home. Like they had their own penciled version because I, I don't know, maybe it was hard to obtain or expensive. I'm not sure, but he played it like they played a bunch of games that night and he absolutely loved it. So he loved it so much. He decided to go home and find a way to immediately distribute it as his own property. And he renamed it Monopoly awesome. and he sold the game to Parker Brothers which was at the time, uh, this is what Hasbro is now. Parker Brothers was bought out by Hasbro at the time. And in 1935, Parker Brothers had the game on the shelf. So in 32, this guy plays the game, goes, this is great. I'm going to sell it. And he did. Just stole it from somebody? He just straight up stole it from Maggie, from Lizzie Maggie. But Mm. Parker Brothers didn't know about Maggie. like They had no idea about her until later on after a little bit of the game being out. And they eventually paid her $500 for the patent of the game. $500. If you could find out what year that was. We have Googlers. We can do that if you want. If it was anywhere in the 30s, $500 was a enough money (laughs) but it does not compare to the the, the the fact that this game is available in 103 countries and in 37 languages probably wasn't back then though was it when they this game no no but what it became right like it's one of those hindsight you know 2020 things to where they're like here's 500 dollars. this is going to set you up for a while considering the time there's just no way she could have ever recognized the grandeur of what it could have become. no absolutely not she didn't have the vision man i want to be a like a board game creator i want to make board games with my design degree that's what i want to do i've already made one that we've enjoyed before that i'm touching up and creating something but if a company were to come to me and say we will give you ten thousand dollars for the rights of this game we we love this game we want to pay you for it so we can distribute it and make the rest of the money a story like this makes you go i don't know man like 10k now is amazing and i could just make another game but if someone's willing to pay that then maybe that means there's something to it. Like there's no no one's gonna pay you that and not think it can make more. Right. So, I mean, you can use her story as as like a lesson. Don't go for a fixed amount. Go for a percentage of their exactly. Income, exactly. Right? Always so go for a percentage. Instead of saying give me ten k now, go give me ten percent of your profits or give me ten k now and point five percent of the profits. Or I'd be like just in continuance. Yeah. yeah. yeah you gotta For cover the next your own however many in years. continuity. Yeah. So everybody out there, creators, cover your bum. CYA. Talking about with just cover pants? your bum is CYB. Yeah, but what is CYA? Cover your ass. No. We don't. We <laughs> don't. Oh, we will. We have. Some interessante facts about the game of Monopoly. Marvin Gardens is actually spelled wrong from the Marvin Gardens that it's supposed to be representing. It's spelled M-A-R-V-I-N instead of M-A-R-V-E-N. And it wasn't until 1995 that Hasbro noticed that and they went to apologize and they made like a formal apology to the people of Marvin Gardens, which it's like, who cares? The reason that it was spelled wrong was because in that handmade version that Darrow had played, they had spelled it wrong on their handmade version from the way it was in the original. So he copied that because that was the version that he had seen. And so he ended up making that mistake. And it's still spelled like that. Like they never changed it. It's just what it is. Um, Also, in 1941, the British Secret Service 
created a special World War II edition of the game, and they made fake charity organizations to distribute them to POWs held by the Nazis. But inside the games, in the pieces, there were maps, compasses, real money, and other stuff to help those POWs escape prison. That's awesome. That is awesome. That's my favorite fact of the night. Yeah. Absolutely. It's really cool. And there have been so many house rules for the game of Monopoly that they that Hasbro used their Facebook site to poll fans and members of, of the page as to what house rules they use. And in 2014, they came out with a house rules version of the game, kind of consisting of the most used house rules like that everybody had in that, which is neat because I don't think any of us have probably played a legitimate game of Monopoly before. There's always so many house rules that are thrown in there. And most of the time it's to make it more fun. I don't know. The the Game of Thrones Monopoly with sound-activated throne um, is probably the simplest Monopoly we've ever played. And we actually went right by the book with that. So. Yeah, I'm, I'm proud there of that. Was, hold Game on. Of Thrones Monopoly. Yeah. There was a sound-activated throne? How yes. do you activate a chair by sound? Well, I'm sorry. You activate the sound. So there's an activatable sound chair. How about that? <laughs> what sound does a chair make? <laughs> and we press it a lot. We do. <laughs> <Just> luckily, <laughs> you can press it again and it stops it. But... It's a lot of fun. When you make like a major move and you're just, you need that, you just, <laughs> and, and uh, now uh, Marvin Gardens belongs to me. <laughs> but surely of, they don't have Marvin Gardens in Game no, of Thrones. No, 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 you, that was no. just for example. Yeah, okay. And speaking of the Game of Thrones Monopoly, there have been an unlimited amount of licenses to Monopoly. They have a Monopoly for everything. Everything. And I don't, want to own them all per se but it is really cool whenever they change some of the game mechanics in some of them like the the game of thrones one like there's some different ways of playing it that you would the original so if they tweak them all just a little bit it's like buying a different game but you get to play it in the theme of whatever you want like you get to destroy the reputation of your opponents or like just have them killed all yes. outright <laughs> yes monopoly with evil times y'all yeah i don't know if y'all have noticed but they've even have some like made out of your town. Yes, yeah. I've seen it at the Walmart. Yeah. I thought yeah. that was cool. I own it. Yeah. Like you do? Co- oh, Cookville, awesome. Cookville Opoly yeah. is what it's wow. called. And it's, I don't like think that. it's I don't think it's licensed. But then again, the game's been out so long, I wonder if it's gotten to the point to where no, surely they'd renew the license for that, right? I want to know I if there's a Sparta so. one. I was about to get to that. There actually was a Spartaopoly, but the sales just absolutely did not last at all oh. on it just because the whole reading thing. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, uh, I mean, hometown digs. Oh, did you know that the longest game ever of Monopoly lasted seventy days? Did they forget about it? Or <laughs> I mean, did it turn into like some weird love child of Monopoly and Risk? Yes, pretty much. I don't know if anyone died after that, Flip but I'm sure somebody was killed. Room, you know, seventy days is a long amount of days to play a, a game, to play anything at well. all. What? I don't know. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. So yeah. in my head, what? nonstop, like they nonstop played <laughs> oh, that game for 70 hours. I don't know. I just went to That's not humanly possible. No. I mean, <laughs> no. To poop. They took, you, they took you time to, poop, to sleep, eat. <laughs> Take a shower, Total. maybe. Were they play board game? Play other board games. Were, <laughs> were they Buddhist? Was this a part of some kind of like attaining enlightenment Could ritual? I'm just. I'm. I consumed all that Wikipedia had to give me, and I am now vomiting it back onto the microphone. So that's pass, all that I know is seven days. Go collect Zen. Yes. Don't give away our formula. Do you know the the name of the Monopoly guy? His actual name? Any of you? Colonel Sir Sanders. Edgar Hetman. Both of you said it at the same time, but the answers are no. No. Nothing? Not even a guess. Charles Manson. Ah, you got it. <laughs> Shoot! No, his name is Rich Uncle Pennybags. Yes. I was so close. And do you know, did he have a, a monocle? Uh, don't get into Mandela. F- don't Mandela me right now. It's a Mandela effect. He never had a monocle. Who are we thinking of? The pre- Pringles guy? Did he have a monocle? I don't know. The Monopoly guy. The Monopoly guy. Did he have a monocle? He didn't. He so did. 
He, no, we didn't. But who does he look like that does in, have a mustache? In, in the universe that we're originally from, he did, and the bears were Baron Steen bears. That, and then the time rift happened. Do you and now see we're here. my hand? Oh my Mind god! Do. But even in Ace Ventura, whenever he, he, I think it was the second one, he, he punched makes, the monocle off of his. He face. punched the monocle off the guy and made him seem like he was, he was you know puppeting him like he was the Monopoly guy. But that's. So many people think that he had a monocle, but he's never had a monocle. Okay, but do you see the character in my head right now? Yes, I do. does have a monocle? I do, and, and we the, made him up. the Pringles guy or no, something? No, we collectively made that character up as a society. Yeah, but I'm saying that there's like he's not a real. real one. No, he's not real, Marcus. Not on Monopoly. Like I on know. a Pringles can or something. The planner's peanut had the mon- the monocle, okay, okay. so that, that could be you're where you're getting. I don't know. He also had a cane and a top hat, so that's very similar to the idea of, of uh, Uncle Moneybags, Penny well, Bags. Is Chef Boy RD real? <laughs> He's uh, got to be right. I mean, he looks real hey, in the can. Honest, but if he if his actual recipes, if, if you say his name with an Italian like flange to your voice a little bit. Chef Boyardi, it is you're legit. Like nobody's gonna know you're eating Chef Boyardi. That's true. Mm-hmm. But if his actual recipes, like let's say he had a restaurant <laughs> and his actual recipes tasted like the cans of <laughs> Chef Boyardi, oh, it'd be so bad. Oh, it'd be the worst. Not yeah. even garlic bread can fix that. You don't even eat that. You don't eat that when you're depressed. Well, I, well, yeah, I've eaten it cold out of the can before. Okay, that's a whole level of depression that I've not reached before. <laughs> well, it tastes the same as it does it hot. It honestly does. It, it really, really does. does. It Probably. just doesn't burn you. The most recent interesting thing that's happened with Monopoly was in 2019 when they had this commercial, okay? And the commercial opens up with these young women that are... Inventors, scientists, and they're probably middle school age, maybe freshman high school age, and they're showing all these amazing things that they're coming up with to be able to test the like the dangerous amounts of, I don't know, something in water, and like being able to detect sinkholes before they even form, and th- these are real, like real young women that are doing this. So it goes to this whole epic thing showing them and their whole like their whole deal and this nice music in the background. And then one of the girls walks into the living room and there is this like thin box that's wrapped in brown paper on her couch. So she goes and sits it on her lap and sits on the couch and her parents are standing around her and they're like, oh, what's this? And she opens up the paper of the box and it's Miss Monopoly. They made a Monopoly game for as a gift to all the women out there who are like creative inventors and have been downtrodden by society. It was a very confusing commercial and it's been watched like over, I think, 1.5 million times just because of how ridiculous and the commercial was. And but weird. It was so weird. And like I get I get the direction that they were going, but it was like it's like the commercial whenever what's her name? Kylie Jenner hands somebody a Pepsi whenever there's a riot happening in the street. Yeah. It's <laughs> the equivalent of handing someone a Pepsi going, okay, like, because women in society have, like, not been held to the same standard, like, even not been paid as much, all kinds of stuff. Like, they they are seen in society as lesser, even though we're in the age that we are now. And the way Hasbro has said we are fighting that is by making Miss Monopoly. And in the game, like, the female players that are playing the game with with guys they get more money to start the game and they also get more money for like pass and go and stuff like that to to simulate in how women are paid less in society than men are which i totally get where they're going i get that but the delivery and marketing of it was insane it sounds about peloton level uh of oh the peloton uh, the bicycle yes yeah. pedal, uh, peloton is that peloton yeah yeah yeah, that how she was just so excited to get that gift. I'm so happy he got that for me. And like, but something really cool that wasn't in, in the commercial as well. I don't know if this was in the fully aired commercial on TV because I don't remember this part. But as I was watching it earlier today, uh, they 
Hasbro gave these young women that were in the commercial, and I'm not sure if any more got this, but they gave them actual, the money in the box was real money. So in a game of Monopoly, there's a little bit over $20,000 like in the game. So in their box, like they got $20,000 to go towards their inventions, which is really cool. And that was a neat message to go along with it. But it really is a Pepsi to stop a riot kind of a situation. Yeah, it seems, seems pretty pandering to it's, me. It is. It's so like, oh, it's so bad. Like they would have, I feel like they would have done more. I feel like this hurts things, like because it makes it almost seem like a joke. But I feel like if they would have just come out with like some public statement of saying, like, "Hey, you know, Hasbro supports the equal pay of of women in society to men," I think that would even be more of a stand than saying, "Like, here's your own Monopoly game," and it's like, and and the the cartoon figure on the front of it is like super cartoony and it just looks like a big joke whenever i first saw the commercial i thought it was something like funny or die had made it yes where it was a big joke but it was real and it was really the best ones right that shows you how like they're just out of touch man their marketing team was like this is brilliant and then they went for it inspire so many people i'd love to meet the marketing team i can imagine them now I think this would be excellent on the exactly. box for the girls. Exactly. <laughs> you think this is like that vintage? Does it have enough pink on it? <laughs> Make sure. Girls like pink. Girls. Right? That's their color. Girls yes, okay. love pink. Girls pink and make sure it looks as pretty and cartoony as possible for the girls. <laughs> we'll give them money, more money in the game, and that'll make them all happy in the real world. And then they'll my, finally shut the traps. My wife, <laughs> my wife is always griping about how women don't get enough pay in the workforce. Uh, I'll fix that with Miss Monopoly. <laughs> now, Did I do you? have a question about Miss Monopoly. I probably don't have an answer. You probably don't, but it kind of fits the thing. Was there a card that dealt with menstruation? Not that I know of, Ty. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, think about it, you know, because, it, I mean, like, hey, you get to, I don't know, take a turn off <laughs> once every seven. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it, it's so ridiculous that why would it not be in there? Honestly. I don't know. I should have went out and bought a copy of it just for us to play on here. You know, Surely there's a picture of the board on the internet. You know, Tiny, oh, yeah. that's uh, that's some dark comedy. <laughs> there. Just like Wilfred. With the rats? No, that's... That's, that's Willard. That's Willard. Oh, Wilfred, Wilfred is the FX television show starring Elijah Wood. <gasps> oh, yeah. And the talking dog. And, yeah, and I've never seen that show. Jason Gunn. It's uh, it's pretty interesting. It's based off of an actual British and Australian television show where the same guy played Wilfred. Uh, it's just that the Americanized version starred Elijah Wood. Uh, he's a character named Ryan who had attempted to commit suicide. And after he did that, he was woke up by his dog who he could now understand and was talking to him. <laughs> they get into all sorts of shenanigans. It is a shenanigan show. Uh, there are many things that happen throughout the show that are pretty spot on to if you had an actual pet, um, like, except he could talk about it. Oh, and uh, by the way, since he's the same actor, he's he's not changed a bit. He's in a giant gray dog costume, <laughs> and for some reason he's kept his thick Australian accent no matter where the show went. Is he an Australian shepherd in the show? Nope. See, that's a missed opportunity. That's you why got an Australian guy playing him. Well, that's why there's so many different th- theories on the show because... I mean, the, and it was never explained. Like the show ended, and nobody got an explanation. Is why does Will? Why is it Wilfred this way? Why are you seeing Wilfred as, you know, is he is he this way? Is this just something Ryan's able to perceive now? Is this actually happening, or is Ryan dead? Is this just something that's like Wilfred get, like guiding him through life until he gets to the gates? Like what's going on with all this? And it's never answered. But one thing is answered throughout the show, and that is there is always bear. And bear is a giant stuffed bear that gets boinked a lot by Wilfred. <laughs> because as many as, as it's a smut show. It is it's a, a dog smut show. Honestly, now here's the thing. Uh I think that we've all witnessed a an animal 
like a dog, go to town <laughs> on a stuffed animal. Just going to town. And, you know, they just, they'll look up at you and let you, like, their face all trembly and their eyes all bugging out and everything. But what if you could hear what they were thinking? And that's kind of what Wilfred does. You like that bear? You like that? Oh, bear, you're a dirty girl. You like all that chew on your ear, bear? <laughs> that's what exactly happens. <laughs> he said, oh, hold on, Ryan. I have business to take care of with me, bear. <laughs> and he, it's just like they're always having relationship troubles. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so Wilfred and Ryan are getting into these shenanigans, and he's and like, and he smokes a lot of pot, like the the Turbines? dog, the dog does. No, it's not me doing it. This is uh, this is the dog doing I it. I wasn't talking about you. No, I'm not so <laughs> saying. I'm a terpene fella. Uh, but Wilfred just comedically smokes pot. And it's always, all the time, and, and he and Bear is always in every episode. So I thought, Bear's not in every episode. Sometimes there's not a reference to Bear either. And I got to thinking about this, and this was a very loose stretch, and I sent some pictures to y'all today. Gross. Huh? You said it's a very loose stretch, and oh. I said Marcus's catchphrase of gross. I, I'm sorry. I've gotten you. Yeah, but you're not quick on it tonight. <laughs> Somebody's got to do it. You're right. Here, say it gonna... once, and I'll dub you over me every no, time. Do okay. it. Do it. No. Do it. Say it. Mm. Say the word. Say it. Mm. That gummit, Mark. <laughs> the show ran from 2011 to 2014, and there was a a female character on there whose name is Fiona Guberman. Her a character's name on there was Jenna Mueller. She was one of the main girls on there. Um, but I noticed something in my constant rewatching of this next show that I am going to tell you about and their connection together. It's a sitcom, Roommate Funny, set in L.A. from the years 2011 to 2018, starring Zoe Deschanel, Jake, jo- Jake Johnson, Max Greenfield, Lamorne Morris, Hannah Simone, and Damon Wayans Jr. And it's New Girl. It's one of the best shows ever made. It is one of the best shows ever made. It's endlessly rewatchable. It was supposed to end in season six, but due to like fan outcry and Netflix wanting to give it just this one last go, they redid it and they finished it out with season seven with a short like eighty eight se- eight episode season. Um, eighty eight episodes is not a short season. <laughs> that was a I'm not going to smack my mouth. I'm in enough physical pain from falling down icy stairs this morning thing. So I'm going to continue going when talking about the next character that you might not remember. This is going to be a deep cut. Her name is Val, but she was loosely accredited in the show. Like she wasn't a main character of anything. She was just in the show. Her name was Val. She was on the episode called The Right Thing, and that was the last person that Jessica Day, who is the main character played by Zoe Deschanel, had text messaged provocatively, and he passed away, and she felt like the the right thing to do was go to his funeral. Um, Val was at that funeral. Val is played by Fiona Goobelman. Okay. Through watching New Girl, I started noticing some things that, you know, you don't pick up on unless you've watched it way too much. But then I started Googling about it to see. And it's a thing. Bears are referenced in every episode minus just a handful in some way, shape, or form, either mentioning the word bear. Or the Chicago Bears. Or the Chicago Bears. Or Paddington the Bear. Or I don't talk like Teddy Ruxpin, you know? Stuff like that that happens throughout the show that Hmm. you never really pay attention to. Hmm. And one of the things that actually drives me a little crazy in my Easter egg theories, because Easter eggs are Easter eggs until somebody finds them. And eats them. And then becomes the evil version (laughs) of themselves. Think about if there is a loose connection between the Wilfred universe and the LA universe of New Girl because Wilfred was filmed and set in California at an undisclosed like town. Like they never talked about the town. They just talked about places in the town. They never talked about where they were located. So that could have been just kind of, you know, not really mentioned and left open for, you know, everybody's interpretation of it. But connecting this 
there was a, a specific area that happened in Wilfred that he's like, bear, you're so dirty. And he's talking to the bear about how every, like it's, it's so filled with substances of stick stuff. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. You know what I'm trying to say? Yes. Everybody should get the point at this Soft area. Spit. Yeah. Well, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yes. Canine finish. Canine finish. <laughs> that the ants. That's like the worst listen, term ever. No. It was so what? full of canine finish that it. Oh, no. It. Oh. It was attracting ants. And this. Oh. What are they and with the that? people in New Girl are the ants no. living on the bear from the canine finish. No, but in the episode of season seven titled Godparents, Nick, in the attempt to make Schmidt and Cece, these are characters on the show, to make their uh, little girl like him more, he brings this bear in that they've gotten, he found on the curb outside, you know, uh, down the road. And it's oh, a bear. <laughs> it's a bear. I don't like the implications. It's a bear that he's like, oh, there's some ants coming out of this. And he keeps hitting it. And he's like, oh, like every time I hit it, more ants come out. And that is the same <laughs> style stuffed bear that was always on Wilfred. And at the very and they, they, I found it so weird. And this was like the biggest thing to me whenever I got into this theory because this is the last oh. season. This is a hurrah by Netflix to say this is it. This is the last bit of it. And that was their biggest salute to what these bear references are all including. And that is just that it's all in one big universe with Wilfred. And also, Disney owns. Them both. Mm. The, um, it's, of course they do. So you've you need to get a you need to pull a Marcus and go to some message boards and start this I, I, thing up. I couldn't today. But to say this is I your couldn't. wild hair theory. No, I couldn't today because this is all. And I was trying to find somebody else with it, and I kept finding like a bear, this bear, that a reference to the Chicago Bears. Nick, 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 Nick. He's from Chicago. So there's there's so many things that I'm like no. There's more bears than sense logically dictates. And there's so many bear in the other show, too. Like, they would be aware of that. And they would have to throw away the stuffed bears once they got to that point, and he would get a different bear, and he would treat it with the same fashion. So it's like he never noticed when the bear was different. You mean in in Willard? In Wilfred. Wilfred. Yeah. So, I mean, that was just a... So you're saying it's the same bear in both shows? I'm saying that that bear was a heavy nod to the exact same bear from Wilfred as a final, like, this is what we're getting at the whole time with the bear references. You think Wilfred was a popular enough show? For Not them at all. To, okay. For them to be like, we've hidden this in every episode of this show that's run for seven seasons. Not at all. To reference a show that... Not a lot of people have even watched, and I would have to invest. I'd like to watch it. I would like to funny. investigate further because I only had so much time to get into this today. But I was trying to find out because I was thinking about this as more of like a just like a random thought kind of thing, and then I started digging and I started actually <laughs> finding stuff, and I was like. Uh, they're going to have to pull me out of the hole next February second. The prognosticator of prognosticators. You're uh, the uh, you're the Charlie from It's Always Sunny in the room with all the red string going it. on all the maps. It. It's just, all connected. It's the same Charlie work. No, but it's. I just thought it was really funny, and I started looking into it, and I kept getting deeper into that rabbit hole that was connecting with itself, and I got kind of freaked out, and I couldn't find a message board where I fit in because my theory fit too much into itself, especially given the circumstance of the exact same thing that they had to throw Wilfred's bear out, and then that bear was found in the exact same condition on New Girl, and then Nick uh, gives that to Ruth, which is Schmidt and Cece's kid, and Schmidt loses his mind when that bear is in that house. And he throws the bear out of the house, and that bear just looks longingly into the house, and it focuses very heavily at the end of that episode on the bear staring into the house. Like, why that much focus on the bear? So uh, The smelly, moist, slightly stiff, ant-coated bear... What's the love of my life? (laughs) I hope he washed his hands. He didn't have hands. He had paws. Schmidt. 
Bless you. <laughs> I hate you. I hate you. I hate you. See, you. And, and this is the kind of show that you get these crackpot theories just from TV shows on Netflix that people binge watch. <laughs> no, there's got to be more. They're connected. They're con- it's all connected. If, if Wilfred is secretly connected to New Girl and only through the power of stupid could it be found, I will hold both hands up highly and say, Yup, I am. I will. I was about to ask you how convinced you were that your theory is correct. Oh, I'm not convinced at all. I'm just saying that th- there are connections. My theory has a sound point. That's how hypotheses are formed. Uh, the only thing to- left to do now is try to prove it wrong. Science. And you all, at, you all at home can try to prove us wrong if you want to. Just try to prove us all day. But or it's- if you want a reading, call Tiny. Oh, yeah. Or if you, yeah, if you want to. <laughs> no. <laughs> if you look through the beep of his phone number last episode and you're able to decipher that, then you can call Tiny for a reading. Yeah. Uh, but we'll all join in. Yes. Thank you for joining us again on Nerded to the Grapevine. Uh, you've been listening on probably Spotify or iTunes, like due to the stats that I've seen, or Podcatcher or CastBox or anything like that. I remember the name of it this time. Yes. Go me. Also, make sure you look up our Instagram at Nerd Grapevine, Twitter under the same name at Nerd Grapevine, and just check us out every Monday whenever we come around to releasing these episodes. We publish them the same time, and the internet decides whenever they get out there. So, typically Monday mornings. Dane, when life gives you grapes, you soak them in canine finish. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> I wonder. If, <laughs> if the canine finish is like some sort of new alien technology to the ants, and it's like what's going to like further their evolution and they're going to become no, no, like the a more advanced society. Them. No, canine finish is the next step in chalk paint. <laughs> <laughs>